Welcome. You are listening to Central Synagogue's podcast, featuring sermons, lectures, and conversations from Manhattan's historic Central Synagogue. I'm Rabbi Angela Bookdahl. Each week, we invite you to listen to messages of strength and hope given by our clergy on Shabbat or Jewish holidays. You can also listen to audio recordings of other programs and lectures given at Central by subscribing to this podcast on the platform of your choice. If you'd like to watch our live stream services or learn more about our congregation, I invite you to visit us at centralsynagogue.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. And raise me up to a world living, oh, safe from the storm, in the shelter of your shalom. On May 18th, 2022, I left Central Synagogue and began my walk home. But when I got to Lex in 56th, I stopped, stunned, because there, on the back of every yellow pedestrian signal box, was a perfect square poster of Menachem Mendel Schneerson, the deceased Chabad Rebbe. And below his picture read, Messiah is here, exclamation point. And beneath that read, this is a mouthful, long live the Lubavitcher Rebbe, King Messiah forever, but it was small in the font that they could even tack on another exclamation point. It caught me by surprise to see Jewish graffiti on that corner. But as I headed northeast towards my apartment, there was the same square poster at every crosswalk, 3rd Avenue, 2nd, 1st, Messiah is here up and down every avenue. And then I got to York and the signs stopped. And I got upset because my real estate agent was clearly right when I was apartment hunting. York Avenue must be too far east if it's too far east even for the Messiah. (laughs) Most of us likely spend very little time thinking about the Messiah. And yet we are living through a period of an uptick in messianic fervor, so much so that it's creating a world that is deeply at odds with our community's values. And we are being called to respond and to act. Now, many people assume the Messiah is a Christian invention, but like monotheism and Mandelbread and retiring to Miami, this idea came from the Jews. Messianism is most basically the idea that the world will eventually enter a perfect future, ushered in by an agent of God. We call them the Moshiach in Hebrew, or in English, the Messiah. So why should this idea matter so much? It's because Messianism engenders big, bold actions. You've heard the slogan, what would you do for a Klondike bar? But you would be shocked by what people are willing to do to bring the Messiah. And Chabad is a case in point. Their messianic beliefs are as ardently held as they are atypical in the Jewish community. Because Chabad believes the Messiah already arrived in their previous Rebbe, who died in 1994. The problem with that is that for Jews... The Messiah can't die without first perfecting the world. And yet they believe that he will have a second coming. 
when will he return? Only when all Jews observe Shabbats and the commandments like Chabadniks. And so they're willing to do things that most Jews would not. They stand on street corners encouraging us to perform mitzvot. They descend on college campuses so that they can influence young minds. And they establish outposts far from any Jewish centers. All of it is motivated by their desire to bring back the Messiah. In Judaism, we don't have a single messianic belief. Rather, we have many. But that said, messianism generally falls into one of two broad categories. Redemptive and apocalyptic. In redemptive messianism, the faithful work to usher in an era of peace on behalf of all humanity. So all the nations will be included in the messianic age. And one of the most famous and succinct texts that anchors redemptive messianism comes from the prophet Micah. You'll be familiar with some of it. He said, In the days to come, many nations shall say, Let us go up to the house of God. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares. Nation shall not take up sword against nation. Everyone shall sit under their own vine and fig tree, and none shall make them afraid. But after years of such optimistic prophecies failing to come true, some Jews lost hope. An apocalyptic messianism was born in that moment of despair. In order to explain our people's ongoing persecution and oppression, some new ideas arose. Yes, peace will come but only after a period of violence and suffering, only after a great battle between the forces of goodness and evil. So while redemptive and apocalyptic messianism lead to the same end, that era of future peace, the process to get there is radically different. And that leads to believers who act very differently. Redemptive messianists believe that our salvation is tied to all people. So we perform acts of kindness and compassion and justice for everyone, regardless of faith. And redemptive messianism creates a community that is ready to reach beyond its boundaries and to see the good in others. And vitally, Jewish redemptive messianism doesn't require people to be converted. Rather, there's a conviction that with a feeling of purpose comes participation. And where people feel kindness and love, they'll want to join in. It sounds very much like Central Synagogue. But apocalyptic messianism is different. They believe that their salvation is tied to combating the outsider who is corrupting society. They prepare for the great war that is either being fought right now or in the near future. And all those who don't share their belief or their faith in their minds become adherents of evil. This mindset cannot compromise, it cannot negotiate, and it cannot empathize with those who think differently. There's only right and wrong, and their ends justify their means. So what does an apocalyptic messianist pray for? We have to picture the scene. 
We're in the Senate chamber of the United States Capitol. And amid the marble pillars and the blue carpet and panels, a group of men is chanting treason as they force their way in. These men wear Revolutionary War flags, others shirts with Christian icons, others Camp Auschwitz hoodies and Nazi symbols. It's January 6th, 2021. And after looting and vandalizing, the insurrectionists stand at the vice president's podium for an impromptu prayer service. What was their prayer? It was captured on film, and this was a piece of it. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for being the inspiration needed to allow us to send a message to all the tyrants, the communists, and the globalists that this is our nation, not theirs. And lest we want to shrug off this language, we must remember globalists and communists have long been dog whistles or stand-ins for Jews. This is the most extreme form of apocalyptic messianism in America. It has not gone away, and in fact, its numbers are growing. Apocalyptic messianism has been a part of America since its founding, primarily because it's ingrained in some forms of fundamentalist Christianity. But today, these ideas are becoming more and more mainstream. Some of the politicians and judges, clergy and community leaders who subscribe to these beliefs are adopting the name Christian nationalists, though not all of them identify as Christian. They are increasingly wielding power to wage their war against the groups they view as the infidel preventing salvation. And as a Jewish community, we're feeling it most keenly in the recent chipping away at the separation of church and state. Just in the last few years, prayer is creeping back into public school spaces. Taxes are being allowed to fund religious parochial schools. Businesses have been given the green light to discriminate against classes of citizens based on religious beliefs. And theological convictions determined what kind of autonomy a woman has over her body. And where they don't wield political power, apocalyptic messianists are turning to violent speech and violent actions to achieve their ends. While in America we're only recently having a public conversation about apocalyptic beliefs impacting our society, in Israel this language is understood widely and openly discussed. Members of the current coalition, represented most prominently by Ben Gvir, Smotrich, and Maoz, are ardent believers in apocalyptic messianism. It's taught in their yeshivas, and now it shapes their policies. Unless you think I'm being hyperbolic, here is what the right-wing politician Avigdor Lieberman had to say about these politicians and their followers. He said, if we do not wake up in time, the state of Israel will turn into a state of religious law and we will pay a very heavy price for this messianic phenomenon. 
This comment isn't a one-off from him. He's sounded the alarm regularly, as well as other Knesset members. And we can hear IDF reservists in demonstrations against the current judicial reforms chanting in the streets, your messianism is not Judaism. Your messianism is not Zionism. But these politicians openly speak about establishing a Jewish theocracy. They're starting small. They've recently banned chametz, leaven from Pesach, from a patient's private room in public hospitals, even if they're Christian or Muslim or secular. And they are working to close transportation on Shabbat in predominantly secular cities like Tel Aviv. And among their followers too, we are seeing an increased use of violent speech and violent acts against those that they view as the outsiders corrupting Israel. There are unmistakable parallel paths happening in both of our homelands. So what are we to do? We must double down on our vision of messianic redemption, both in America and in Israel. But Rabbi, you may be saying, we're Reformed Jews. We don't believe in the Messiah. To which I say, think again. I interrupt this sermon for a central synagogue messianic sing-along because whether you know it or not, you have sung a ditty praying for the coming of the Messiah. If you know one of these tunes, join in. I'm going to limit myself to just a handful, but I could do this all day, and we have all day, so... Ready? Pesach. Adir hu, adir hu, yivne beto bekarov. Yes, we're asking God to send the Messiah and rebuild the ancient temple. Chanukah. Ma'otzur yeshuati. Again, asking God to send the Messiah, rebuild the temple, and reinstitute the sacrifices. Shabbat. Adon olam asher malach b'terem kol. The whole second verse is about our expectation for the Messiah. And don't get me started on Aleinu. Aleinu is a mess of messianism. So yes, we reformed Jews, we do have messianic beliefs. We don't believe that some supernatural figure is going to magically appear and lions and lambs are going to lie down together. But we do believe that God gave us a blueprint for a perfect world and that our mission is to build it as best we can and then entrust the next generation with that charge. So whether or not you believe in God or in a literal Messiah, we do believe that we have a vision for an ideal society and that our mission as Jews is to realize that vision for all people. It is our purpose. It's what we are called to do. It's the belief that stands against a life of meaninglessness because it breathes purpose into our lives. So as redemptive messianists, living in a time of apocalyptic fervor, what can we do? First, 
we have to attune ourselves to the apocalyptic tropes around us and ready our redemptive responses. So if someone asserts that there's just one true path, we respond, no, Judaism professes there are many ways to approach God, even as we love our particular one. And if someone suggests that conflict is inevitable, we say, no, Jewish law teaches that we use violence only out of terrible necessity and violent language never at all. If someone claims that their ends will justify their means, we assure them that if their means are unjust, the ends they wish to bring about will be unjust as well. And if someone says that they cannot tolerate this group, we remind them Judaism's vision for the perfect age includes all the nations. But even more important than refuting tropes, we have to be ready to live out our counter vision. As one scholar notes, these zealots' strength lies not in their numbers, but in their ideological fervor. So our joy and our enthusiasm in acting for others has to match their fear of others. This is not a new age kumbaya belief. Because remember, out of all of scripture, the ancient rabbis chose a redemptive messianic text for the Haftorah of Yom Kippur. It's hard to remember this year because we didn't read it just now, but I'll remind us what it says. It's from the book of Isaiah, and God tells us that our prayers and our fasting will not bring salvation. Rather, God demands that we leave the walls of our worship and unlock the fetters of wickedness and let the oppressed go free and to share our bread with the hungry and to take the poor into our homes, to clothe the naked, and not to f ignore a single one of our fellow human beings. And what happens when we do these things? The prophet continues, then the Messiah shall march before us, and we shall rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the foundations that were laid long ago. Each and every year we read these words, that demand that we reject apocalypse in favor of redemptive responsibility. We're given this sacred to-do list, and if each day we make these acts the core of who we are, we will make far more friends than enemies. We will make our local communities more and more like Eden. We will build a Jewish democratic state that is the pride of our people. We will infuse each day with purpose and with meaning, and Judaism will feel an urgent and vital part of our lives and the lives of our children. And what's more, our actions will be a testament against the apocalyptic voices that are seeking to tear our world apart with force and with strength. Our lives will declare that such paths are not Jewish not worthy of any religion, and most certainly not what God asks of us. The Talmud teaches that when we die, 
we find ourselves before the seat of judgment. And standing there, awaiting our fate, we are asked, Tzafita Yeshua, did you hope for the messianic salvation? That's how core this idea is to our people. And when we stand there, we need to be ready to say, we didn't only hope for the Messiah. We did our part to bring about the messianic time. And not just for ourselves, but for our neighbors and for the stranger. And yes, even for those of us who live on York Avenue. And know all of your ways and wisdom. Oh, you keep me safe. And I'd always praise your name. Thank you for listening to this edition of Central Synagogue's podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you're in the loop on future episodes. And please follow us on social media or watch our live stream at centralsynagogue.org, our Facebook page, or on national cable at the Jewish Broadcasting Service. Thanks again for joining us. Shalom,